Good morning. Thank you for joining us today. First uh, Samuel 13 and Matthew chapter 19. If you have your Bible, you can head over there. There are times in your life where you will face difficulties that you just can't see your way through. Struggles that will crush you, or at least they'll feel that way. There are times in your life where you will stand gazing across a battlefield at what you're about to face, thinking, I can't do this. Who's going to save me? Who's going to rescue me? There's no winning. I can't win this. There's no victory for me here. For me, in my life, it was when my mom died. I was a senior in high school. She died of an overdose. Nobody was expecting it. She was just gone. Or the next year when my cousin, who I'd grown up with in Texas, we were the same age, when he died in a car accident. I can't win this, God. I don't know what to do. I, there's no victory in this. Or another time when Aaron and I had to go through a miscarriage in China when we were missionaries on the other side of the world from all of our, our family and friends. There's no victory for me here. There are times in your life where you will face struggles, difficulties. And it's not always loss. I mean, sometimes, sometimes it's God putting a challenge in front of you, calling you to something difficult, something greater. Like when I was a missionary in China, I was asked to, to teach Koine Greek, biblical Greek in Chinese. And I thought, there's no way I can do that. I can't, <laughs> I can't win at this. I can't do that. Or when I was called in the ministry, and I was terrified of public speaking. My hands shook, my voice shook, my brain blanked. I thought, there's no way, God, I can't do this. Maybe it's a challenge in your life like that. Maybe it's, maybe it's something like sickness or loneliness, depression, insecurity, doubt. Maybe it's a sin or an addiction that you just can't shake. There are times in your life where you will stand gazing across a battlefield at what you're about to face, what you're about to go through, thinking, I can't win this. Who's going to save me? There's no victory for me here. I can't do this. And when you face those moments, you have a choice. You can either press on ahead in your own strength or you can wait on God. You can go your own way or you can go God's way. You can look within yourself or you can look out. You can reach out to God. You can take matters in your own hands or you can place what matters in God's hands. We're in a series of messages called Not for Sunday School where we're just talking about seven different passages, stories in the Bible that, that maybe you didn't hear in Sunday School growing up or if you did, you got the made-for-TV version, you stopped early, and so we're telling you the rest of the story. This is week six, so just one more week to go after this. And we've talked about the walking dead. We've talked about Gideon's faithless fleece, Sodom and Gomorrah, Lefty and the fat king. Last week, we talked about Jesus and the terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. If you've missed any of those, make sure you get those online this week. Uh, and I hope that there'll be an encouragement to you. Today, I want to talk to you about the witch and the prophet the witch and the prophet. In our text, there's a man standing, gazing across a battlefield. His enemies amassing. What's he going to do? Let's see. 
1 Samuel chapter 13. That man is King Saul. He's the first king of Israel. And he's just gotten the support from all of the tribes of Israel. He's just kind of gotten a hold on his kingship. This is his first major battle, and it's against the Philistines. And the Bible says that the Philistines were like sands on a seashore. There were just so many of them. And, and his men, Saul's men, begin to be afraid, and they start, to, they start to drop like flies. They're defecting. They're becoming cowards. They're leaving his army. And so he's waiting on the prophet Samuel to come and offer a sacrifice to the Lord so that the Lord will go before them and win this battle. But Samuel hasn't shown up. So he's in this kind of clutch moment. The king is, King Saul. And this happens in 1 Samuel 13, starting in verse 8. He waited seven days, the time appointed by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattering from him. So Saul said, bring the burnt offering here to me and the peace offerings. And he offered the burnt offering. As soon as he had finished offering the burnt offering, behold, Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him and greet him. Samuel said, what have you done. He just missed it. Instead of waiting, he went ahead. Instead of going God's way, he went his way. He did something he knew he wasn't supposed to do. He offered the sacrifice himself rather than waiting for Samuel. And in the next few verses, the, the king, King Saul, he, he, he kind of gives Samuel all of his excuses. And listen, they're good excuses. Like the Philistines are about to kill us. People are leaving. I just want God to go before us. I want God to be involved in the Samuel. You weren't here when you said you were going to be here. So I just, I just did the offering myself. What, what's the big deal, right? And then Samuel prophesies and says that God is going to rip the kingdom from Saul's hands and give it to David. Saul has just become king. And already because of his sin and his disobedience and his impatience, God is taking the kingdom from him. So this is Saul's first real battle as a king. Fast forward with me to 1 Samuel 28. In 1 Samuel 28, it's about 30 years later. It's at the end of King Saul's reign. The prophet Samuel has already passed away. And again, King Saul finds himself gazing across a battlefield at the Philistines. And his odds, the odds are against him. He's probably not going to win. The stress is on. The pressure is on. Let's see what happens. 1 Samuel 28, starting in verse 5. When Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid. And his heart trembled greatly. And when Saul inquired of the Lord. The Lord did not answer him, either by dreams or by Urim or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there's a medium at Endor. So he trembles with fear as he gazes across the battlefield, his enemy amassing, what am I going to do? Who's going to save me? I can't win this. There's no victory for me here. Samuel's gone. The Lord is not answering as Saul cries out to him. So what is he going to do? He decides to go to a medium, a witch, somebody who claims to speak to the dead. 
Ever heard this one before? No? Didn't cover it in Sunday school when King Saul went to a witch to talk to dead people? Now, maybe, you didn't, maybe you didn't hear it in Sunday school growing up, you know? It's in times of great stress and pressure and trial that your true heart will be revealed. Will you be fearful? Will you be panicked? Will you be proud? Or will you be faith-filled? Will you run to God or will you run to sin? Will you make your own way or will you go God's way? Will you succumb to insecurity and doubt, infighting, division, bitterness? In times of great trial, your true heart is revealed. Will you be who you've been saying you are? Saul had already outlawed mediums and necromancers and witches in Israel, and yet when the pressure is on, he decides that a witch is the best way to go. Look at verse 8. So Saul disguised himself and put on other garments and went, he and two men with him. And they came to the woman by night, and he said, Divine for me a spirit, and bring up for me whomever I shall name to you. The woman said to him, Surely you know what Saul has done, how he's cut off the mediums and the necromancers from the land. Why then are you laying a trap for my life to bring about my death? But Saul swore to her by the Lord, As the Lord lives, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Then the woman said, Whom shall I bring up for you? And he said, Bring up Samuel for me. So he asks a witch to conjure the spirit of the dead prophet Samuel because the Lord is not talking to him. Ever done that before? <laughs> Probably not, right? Probably not. But in the middle of difficulty and confusion and deception, I bet you've done some pretty convoluted things that now looking back look ridiculous. As ridiculous as going to a witch to conjure up the dead spirit of a prophet. I know I have. Verse 12. When the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. And the woman said to Saul, Why have you deceived me? You are Saul. The king said to her, Do not be afraid. What do you see? And the woman said to Saul, I see a God coming up out of the earth. He said to her, What is his appearance? And she said, an old man is coming up, and he's wrapped in a robe. And Saul knew that it was Samuel, and he bowed with his face to the ground and paid homage. Whoa. So that, that didn't go like the witch thought it would go, right? She screams. Why? Because she didn't expect it to actually work. She didn't expect this thing to actually work. But Samuel himself shows up. God allowed the spirit of Samuel to go and show up in this moment. Did you cover this in Sunday school? No? Saul, Saul tells Samuel, the conjured spirit of Samuel, that he, that he needs him to help him. He tells him that God's not talking to him and he needs to know what he's supposed to do with this upcoming battle God won't speak to them about the Philistines and they're about to destroy the army. And I love, I love Samuel's answer. Look at verse 16. And Samuel said, why then do you ask me since the Lord has turned from you and become your enemy? Why are you asking me? Verse 17, the Lord has done to you as, I, as he spoke by me. For the Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hand and given it to your neighbor, 
David. Let, let, me, let me translate that into Southerner for you, okay? So, so Samuel's like, you ain't the sharpest knife in the drawer, are you, Saul? I mean, you, you only got one oar in the water, don't you? I mean, Saul, you don't know whether to scratch your watch or to wind your rear end, do you? He's going, what? why are you asking me? If God's not talking to you, why would I talk to you? What would I have to give you? What would I have to offer? This is happening just like I told you it would happen, Samuel says. God is taking the kingdom from you and giving it to David instead. And then Samuel, the spirit of Samuel, tells Saul that he's going to lose this battle. The Philistines are going to win and Saul's going to die and Saul's son Jonathan are going to die. That is going to die. That happens three chapters later. So on the surface, this seems like an issue of obedience, right? I mean, Saul did exactly what he knew he wasn't supposed to do. He offered the, the sacrifice himself in chapter 13. He, he consulted a witch in chapter 28. I mean, it seems like this is an issue of disobedience, but, but maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's more than that because Saul, Saul had good motives, right? I mean, he wanted... It seems like he just wanted the Lord to be involved. I mean, in, in 13, he, he, he knew he couldn't win. He wanted God's help. He wanted to offer this sacrifice. And Samuel didn't show up, so he just did it himself. What's the big deal? He wanted God to be a part of the battle. In, in 28, he's asking God what he's supposed to do, and God's not answering. So then he does the only thing he knows to do. He goes and talks to a witch to talk to Samuel to tell him what to do. What's, what's the big deal? I mean, it seems like... It seems like he's got good motives here. This is about, it's about disobedience for sure, but I think, I think more so this is about trust. In chapter 13, Saul didn't trust that Samuel was going to show up. In chapter 28, Saul didn't trust in the perfect will of God. God wasn't answering it. He didn't trust that God has, had his best in mind. And so he talked to a witch. He went his own way. He made the sacrifice himself. He took matters into his own hands. Instead of reaching out to God, Saul chose to reach into himself, within himself, to trust himself. So this is, this is an issue of trust. With his enemies amassing in front of him and no profit to be found behind him, Saul decided that God couldn't be trusted. That God's ways couldn't be trusted. What am I going to do? The Philistines are about to defeat us. My, my army is disintegrating. What am I going to do? I can't win this. I got I to gotta move forward. If I don't do something, then we're going to lose. There, there, there won't be victory here for me unless I move forward, unless I take matters into my own hands. Have you ever done that before? Yeah, so have I. There are times where you will stand gazing across a battlefield at what you're about to face, thinking, I can't win this. What am I going to do? Who's going to save me? There'll be no victory for me here. And in those moments, you, you have a choice. You can choose to move on ahead in your own power, or you can choose to wait on God. You can choose to reach within yourself, or you can choose to reach out to God. You can choose your ways or God's ways. 
You can choose to take matters in your own hands, or you can choose to place what matters in God's hands. But you're standing there going, is God going to come? Is, is he coming? Is he, is he going to save me? Listen, beloved, he is coming. You can trust him. Listen, I, don't know, I don't know what you've been through. I think about a boy waiting for his dad to come. He's on a porch and it's getting dark. His dad doesn't show up. He bailed again. Tears on his face, the boy walks back into the house. I think of a wife waiting on a husband to come home. Dinner's on the table. He said he'd be here. He said he'd change. He isn't. He didn't. Tears on her face, she begins to clear off the table. I think of a mom and a dad waiting on a son or a daughter to get back to them and tell them they're okay. There's no text, no call back. They're thinking, surely they're not doing drugs again after all we've been through with rehab. They are. Tears on their faces, they hold each other on the couch, waiting to hear something, anything, so that they know that their child is okay. A boss that promises a promotion but always flakes out, there's always an excuse. A friend that's never there when you need them most. A lover who cheats, a leader who's not who they say they are. I don't know, I don't know what you've been through. They're not coming. They're not speaking. They're not helping. God's not coming. God's not speaking. God's not helping. I got to take this on myself. I got to take matters into my own hands. I got to do this myself. I don't know what you've been through, but I want to declare to you today, he is coming. Your enemy amassing in front of you, no profit to be found behind you. I understand how easy it is to give up. I understand how easy it is to lose patience, but don't. He's coming. God is on his way. There will be victory here. You just have to persevere. You just have to trust. You just have to have patience. God is on his way. There will be victory here. The beginning of the end for King Saul is when he decides to offer the sacrifice on his own in 1 Samuel 13. And just after he offers the sacrifice, what happens? Samuel walks up, like immediately afterwards. I wonder how often we take matters into our own hands just before God shows up. Right before he shows up. I mean, if we had just waited, we go our own way right at the last second. We reach out to the world, ungodly people, ungodly habits that bring pleasure in a moment, that numb us for a night. Because we just don't trust that God is really going to show up, that he's going to save, that he's going to be here, that he's going to speak. Beloved, don't give up just before God shows up. When you're panicked, when you're up against something that you don't think you can face, you don't know how you're going to get through it, that's when God does his best work. Don't give up right before God shows up. 
There will be victory here. You just have to trust God. You just have to persevere a little bit longer. God is on his way. There will be victory here. Victory over your sin and addiction. Victory over your depression. Victory over your financial issues. Victory over your sickness. Victory over your anger. Victory over the conflict you're experiencing in your family. Victory over your insecurity and your doubt. There will be be victory here. How can I say that with such confidence? It's because of two facts. There are two facts kind of holding up my confidence that there will be victory here. The first one is that God wins every time. God wins every time. There's nothing that is impossible for God. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus has just talked to the rich young ruler, and the rich young ruler has walked away sad, and Jesus kind of shakes his head, and he goes, man, this is so difficult, so hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then he says this really famous passage. He says, you know, it'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for one rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And his disciples are floored by that. And they're like, what? Well, then, well, then who could be saved? Who could, I mean, it's a great question. If it's that hard to be saved, I mean, who, who could possibly be saved? You can kind of hear the panic in their voice. Like, who can be saved? I mean, should we, are we wasting our time then? I mean, should we take matters in our own hands? Should we go a different direction? Jesus, then who can be saved? Jesus' answer In Matthew 19, verse 26, he says, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Beloved, there is is a vast chasm separating what you can do and what God can do. It's not even close. You can't even see the other side. Like there is a lot that we cannot do, that man cannot do. There's a lot that is impossible for man. Odds are you'll lose. You'll lose. Odds are you'll lose the battle against your sin. You'll lose the battle against your enemy. You'll lose the battle against the enemy of your soul. Odds are you will lose. There's a lot that's impossible for man. There's this vast chasm that separates what you can do and what God can do. The bridge across that chasm is faith. Trust that with God, all things are possible. So that's fact number one, holding up my confidence that there will be victory here. God wins every time. The second is this. Jesus has already won. Jesus has already won. Listen, I'm not a prosperity gospel, name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. If you want a Ferrari, all you have to do is have the faith in Jesus' name. I'm not that kind of preacher, all right? I don't even believe that to be true in the Bible. So I don't, I don't know if you're going to get the victory like you want to in this life. I just... I'm just being honest. I just don't know. And if anybody tells you they do know, they're lying. I just don't know. Like, I don't know if the cancer is going to go away tomorrow. I don't know if the depression is going to disappear next week. 
I don't know if the relational strife is going to be healed in 2020. I don't know that. But I know this. Jesus, by dying on the cross for you and me, has already won. I know this without a shadow of a doubt, that for those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, those who surrender to him, there's victory. No matter what you're facing, no matter how impossible it seems here, no matter how difficult it seems here, no matter how much the odds are stacked against you, no matter any of that, there is victory in heaven. Jesus has already won the battle for those who have given their lives over to Jesus Christ. There is victory in heaven. There may be a measure of victory here, right? I mean, that's what I pray for. I pray for healing and direction and discernment and provision. Answers here, right now, there may be, <coughs> there may be a measure of victory here that may be true. But what is absolutely true is that there is victory here because there is victory in heaven. In other words, I don't know if the cancer is going to go away tomorrow, but I know that there is no cancer in heaven. I don't know if the depression is going to disappear next week, but I know there is no depression in heaven. I don't know if your relational strife is going to be healed in 2020, but I know that there is no relational strife in heaven. Jesus has already won, beloved. He's already won. And listen, there's more. There's more because this victory that Jesus has already won, it's kind of in three parts, right? Three stages. Cross, resurrection, return. Jesus paid our price, the debt for our sin on the cross once and for all. And then he made a way for us to be in eternity for him, with him, by by raising back to life in the resurrection. And in our kind of linear thinking, our, our, our minds that are stuck in linear time, it seems like we're between the resurrection and the return. But his victory includes his return. He's coming back. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus was talking about his return. He's talking about that time when he returns. And he says this, Matthew 24, starting in verse 10. And then many will fall away. Then that time when I return, just before I return. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will rise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures. King Saul, he, he got impatient and he went his own way and he offered the sacrifice. He went to talk to a witch because he just couldn't wait on God. He couldn't trust in God. He took matters into his own hands. I say that you can trust God, that he's on his way, that he's going to be here, that he's coming. When I say that, I mean that literally. Jesus is coming back. 
You can trust in that. You can put your hope in that. Listen, I want you to understand something. And if you would just run to this truth more often, you would find so much joy and so much peace in this life right now. Listen, no matter your suffering, the promise of Jesus's return brings you hope. No matter your suffering, the promise of Jesus' return brings hope because the one who endures, the one who doesn't lose faith, the one who doesn't get impatient, the one who doesn't go his own way, the one in whom the love of Christ does not grow cold, the one who endures will be saved. Jesus is coming. He's on his way. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. Maybe it has to do with COVID-19. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's family issues, strife, conflict, difficulty in your family. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's depression, loneliness, addiction, insecurity, doubt. I don't know. I don't know what you're going through. But I want to encourage you today. I'm standing on the sidelines of your life, cheering you on. I want you to hear this. There will be victory here. God is on his way. Don't give up. Don't give up right before he shows up. Don't give up. He's coming. The victory is here. How am I sure? How can you be sure? Two facts. God wins every time. And Jesus has already won this battle. I've asked the worship team to play a specific song as we close today. It's called Breakthrough. It's a song that's really spoken to me lately. And there's this part in the song where we just sing over and over, there is victory here. There will be victory here. As we sing that, if you find your faith lacking, I pray that your faith would be built up. As you listen to that bridge over and over, there is victory here. Maybe if you're hopeless, you would find hope today. And maybe you've never put your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ. You've always taken matters into your own hands. You've never really placed what matters into God's hands. Man, that is a lonely, dark, difficult way to live. And you don't have to. You don't have to depend on yourself. You don't have to reach within yourself and find yourself lacking. You don't have to go that route. You're not alone. So today, for the first time, give your life over to Jesus. Put your hope completely and totally in Jesus. Trust him that he will show up and that there will be victory here and in heaven. Let's sing this song together. I'll pray before we do. I pray that you would be blessed by it as I have been. There will be victory here. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your mercy today. As always, my prayer is that whatever is of me would be quickly forgotten and whatever is of you, would stick with us, haunt us, change us, would, like seed, find good soil in the hearts of many and begin to bear fruit quickly. Lord, I pray for those who have never 
put their hope in you, who have never waited for you to show up, who've always given up before you show up. I pray for those who don't have faith that you win every time, that Jesus has already won this battle. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would give them that miracle of faith today, that they would, once and for all, give their lives over to you. Never go back to, to trying to do things on their own and in their own, pattern, in their own power. I pray, God, that they would, rather than taking matters in their own hands, they would place what matters in your hands. That goes for Christ followers as well, Jesus. I pray today that those who would say they're yours, those who would say they're your followers, would, but, but are still, if they're honest, struggling to keep from controlling, to keep from moving ahead without you. They're facing something that they just can't get past. Maybe there's some, some depression and some difficulty, and, and they're about to give up. They don't see a way out of this. Holy Spirit, encourage their hearts today that there will be victory here, that the victory is in you and you alone. Give them the faith to reach out to you rather than reaching into themselves. Thank you, God, for bringing the victory. We pray, Lord, that you would come quickly. It's in your holy and precious name that I pray. Amen. Sing this with us.